0: Welcome to the sermon podcast of Resurrection Community Church in Virginia Beach. We seek to connect people to God and one another through His Word, and hope this sermon brings you closer to God. John chapter fourteen, verses fifteen to thirty-one. Uh, on Sunday mornings here at Resurrection, we've been going through uh, we've been going through John for for a while now, and John is a wonderful book of the Bible telling us deep, deep things about Jesus. But the great thing about John is that it is both deep and powerful, but it is also simple and easy to understand at the same time. It's simple, and you think you get it, and then you go deeper and deeper. And that's particularly true uh, in the section we're in tonight, today, where we're in what is called the upper room, where Jesus had his last meal with his disciples the night that he was betrayed, the night before he was crucified. And John records a long set of, of speeches, of talk, of things that Jesus said. And so in these just 16 verses, we're going to find some densely packed, beautiful statements of Jesus. You may well hear and hear things that are familiar to you that you've heard before. and You say, oh, that's where that is. And so if you hear one of those things, I want you to think, oh, well, what What is around that? What does Jesus really mean by that? And as you hear them, some of them will sound simple, like I give you peace. But to reflect on what what does it take to get that? What is Jesus really saying? What does he really have for us this morning? So listen to John chapter 14, verses 15 to 31. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper. In that day you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. You heard me say to you, I am going away, and I will come to you. If you loved me, you would have rejoiced, because I am going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it takes place, so that when it does not take place, you may believe. I will no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming. He has no claim on me but I do as the Father has commanded me so that the world may know that I love the Father. Rise, let us go from here. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for all your many blessings to us. We thank you for these beautiful words that Jesus spoke so long ago for the comfort and encouragement and teaching of his disciples. We thank you that they are written down and preserved for us, that just as they were, as they were your word for them, that are your words for us today. We pray now that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you would take these words and sink them deep into our hearts, that they would not merely be information for our heads, but transformation for our lives, changing the way that we think, the way that we feel, the way that we live. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. So I I brought with me, I did bring my mystery bag, even though we have kids time, still try to bring a mystery bag. And in the mystery bag, I have, do you know what this is? Anybody know what this is? It's a lantern, right? And so if I turn this switch, nope, if I turn this switch, oh, it, turns on, oh, it turns on half of it. If I turn this switch this way, it turns on all of it. What do you think? Is it a good lantern? It's a pretty good lantern. Suzanne bought this for me. It's a good, good quality lantern. I think she got this at REI. It'll last for a long time. But do you know what's going to happen after a while of this lantern being out? The battery's going to die, and when the battery dies, it's going to fade, 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 and then it's going to go out, and it's not going to work anymore until you replace a battery or until you charge it up. And So you're in this endless cycle of trying to keep it charged. Whether it's a lantern, whether it's a phone, whether it's a flashlight, we're always trying to keep things charged up and so what we see this morning in john chapter 14 when we listen to jesus we hear these familiar words and we hear these words that we like we hear these words like you know he who keeps my commandment he is the one who loves me he is and i will be in him and i will be with my father and we'll all be together and all be happy and peace we have peace we have love we have commandments we hear these things they are bright shining lights And yet the other reality we see here in John chapter 14 is what Jesus is most clearly saying to his disciples is that if you try to do all these things, if you try to make your light shine bright, if you try to love others in your own strength, you will fail. You will not be able to do it. You will be like the light that goes out and you're going and seeking to be charged up and you're constantly trying to be charged up by this light. Because what we see here is not only the promises and hope of, of all these good things that we're supposed to do, but we see the failing of this world. We see the contrast that Jesus gives us between what he is offering and between what the world offers. He says, The world cannot understand. The ruler of this world is coming. He has no claim over me. I do not give peace as the world gives. We see this comparison. What Jesus is offering, what the world is offering. He says the world is offering you nice-looking flashlights, nice-looking lanterns, but they cannot satisfy. But what is Jesus offering? What is the key thing here that Jesus is offering? What is the key to this passage? The main thing here, the main thing about God that Jesus is trying to tell us is that Jesus has demonstrated his love for us by giving us the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the key to this passage. Now, that's not the only way Jesus demonstrates his love for us because in other places in the Bible it says he demonstrates his love for us by dying for us and by teaching us and by coming to show us God. But here he's talking about the demonstration of his love being the Holy Spirit. This is what he says after he says, keep my commandments, which you're not going to be able to do. Verse 16, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever even the spirit of truth. And he comes back to it at the end. The Holy Spirit um, in verse uh, 26, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. So Jesus is showing us his love by giving us the Holy Spirit. The key here, the main thing about God is that God has not left us alone. This is one of the unique things about Christianity as a religion. You know, when you think about what it, what Christianity is as a religion if you look at like philosophy of religion or comparing different religions, you can actually see there's there's lots of things that are similar about all the religions of the world. You know, there's there's moral laws, there's the golden rule, there's being kind to one another, there's living in community. There's even some a few where there's like ideas of self-sacrifice and these kinds of things. But I I could be wrong, but I don't know of any other religion in the world with any awareness of anything close to the Holy Spirit. That God himself has not left us, but as a person, as a full person of God, he is here amongst us, giving us the strength, giving us the light, teaching us, guiding us. That we talk about Jesus and we say, oh, I wish I could have a relationship with Jesus. I wish I was there when Jesus walked the earth. And what Jesus is telling us this morning is that he's here. He is here in the person of the Holy Spirit. And this is the demonstration of God's love for us that he has not left us alone. See, the disciples here, their problem is that they're troubled and afraid. That's our problem too. We're so often troubled and afraid. We're scared of what's going to happen. We're uncertain. And he's telling them, look, they should be troubled and afraid because he's leaving, that's why they're afraid, but he's not leaving them alone. That's his comfort, is that he is continuing to demonstrate his love by sending the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is with them, the Holy Spirit is with us. God himself continues to reside with us. God himself continues to teach us. God himself continues to change us. So what do we do? What do we do? If this is the main thing about God, that Jesus has given us the Holy Spirit as a demonstration of his love, as a comfort to be with us, as a teacher, as a helper, what are we supposed to do? And the fundamental thing is you look through this, the the basic thing is simply to love God, to love him. Now that's gonna play out in different ways. That's gonna play out in not being afraid, in obeying his commandments, in being content with what he has given you, in embracing that peace. But the fundamental thing is to love him. Verse 15, if you love me. This passage is all about love. The love of God for his people, the love of Jesus for his people, that he will not abandon them. He will not leave us alone. And his call for us to love him back in mutual forever love between us and God. And so how how then do we get that? How do we? So we say, okay, that's great, that's great. Jesus, God loves us. We love Him. He's given us the Holy Spirit. But, but I still feel like, I still feel like I'm. I've got this lamp that is just almost going out here, just barely hanging on. How do we get this to stay on? Not just for a little bit of charge, but how do we get this? How do we get this plugged in, so it will just stay on forever and ever? And Jesus here offers us three specific reminders that we'll go through very briefly, three specific reminders to reinforce the demonstration of his love. And the key word here is real. He's offering us real peace, real power, and a real promise. If you you saw the, the sermon title this week on Facebook or on the website, it was the promise and power of real peace. But I put them in the opposite order here because we need to start with what we're looking for. And they actually are very real. Why real? Real peace, real power, real promise. They're real because they're different from what the world is offering. That's what is running throughout. The world is trying to offer you peace, trying to offer you power, trying to make you promises. And Jesus says, let me give you the real power, the, the real peace, the real power and the real promise. So first, the real peace, this is verse 27. This is kind of the, the center of it, the central hope here. Verse 27, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. It's beautiful, isn't it? Peace I leave to you, my peace I give you, but not as the world gives do I give to you. Jesus gives us real peace. So what's the difference between Jesus' real peace and the peace that the world offers. Well, let me tell you. Let me tell you a story. Let me tell you a story about a house. A house in Atlanta. Uh, a house that Suzanne and I bought in Atlanta. And this house, this was the first house we bought, we really didn't know what we were doing. Um, and we look. We were living in St. Louis, and we went to. We were moving to Atlanta, and so we go to buy a house. We're looking at Zillow, and we're looking at houses, and we see this house on Zillow. I found it there one night uh, after Suzanne was asleep. And I found it and I left it up on my computer for her to see it. And it was this beautiful house, beautiful pictures, big open spaces, big backyard in our price range, close to the church where I was going to be working. We're like, that's the one. And uh, so I go and I visit a bunch of houses and I look at some other ones and I look at this one. I'm like, Nope, this, this is the one. I know it. Well, that house, that house, it looked good, but here's what had happened on that house. Somebody had taken a house and they had, flipped it and when they flipped it they put on new paint and they put on new cabinets but you know what they didn't do they didn't fix anything and so behind the new paint and behind the new cabinets were all kinds of broken things and so we move into this house and, and Suzanne saw before I did as we were doing the final walkthrough she's like hey these there's like cracks on the wall like is that a problem and our Realtors like no no it'll be fine And uh, do you know why there's cracks on the wall? Because there's holes in the foundation. Why are there holes in the foundation? Because instead of filling it in with dirt, the people who built the house just threw construction debris in. And construction debris does not hold up a house as well as good solid dirt. And then we take a shower in the master shower. And look, there's water in the laundry room underneath the master shower. Did anybody fix it? No, why fix the shower? You can't see that when you're walking through. It turned out to be a great house. The Lord blessed us through it. But it reminds us that what the world is offering is a flipped house that looks good, but does not have a solid foundation. And when you start knocking on the walls, when you start putting holes in them, you're like, yeah, there's not much going on here. But Jesus offers real peace. It may not be as flashy as what the world offers sometimes, The paint may be peeling a little bit. The people in Jesus' church, a little bit messy, rough edges all around, right? But we're real people because we have real peace that Jesus has said, I love my people and I forgive their sins and I will never let them go. That is where the real peace comes from. The real peace that Jesus offers comes from knowing that he will never let us go. See, that's the whole point here, that the peace comes through the Holy Spirit, not just, oh, we've got some magical thoughts of peace from this mysterious force that's out there, but Jesus is with you. Jesus does not let you go. That is where the real peace comes from. Your destiny is secure. As Philip was saying this morning about Jordan's stormy banks, we are going to Jordan. We are going to a promised land. Whatever we see around us, whatever rough edges we feel, nothing can take us away from God. He gives us real peace. And then, to have that real peace, that feeling of peace, he gives us the real power. I love verse 30 here. I will no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of the world, this world is coming. What does he mean by the ruler of this world? What Jesus means when he says the ruler of this world, he means Satan. And what he means specifically here is Satan is coming to get him through Judas betraying him to the Roman soldiers who are going to put him to death. That's what that means in exact uh, meaning, so that Satan is coming for him. Satan is going to put him to death, but he has no claim on me. Satan thinks he is putting Jesus to death. He thinks he is ending God's rule on earth, but he has no idea what's about to hit him when Jesus dies on the cross and rises from the dead. That's real power. The ruler of this earth, all the false promises, all the evil of this world have no power over Jesus. He does as the Father has commanded him. He brings the rule of God the Father to earth and demonstrates it in his life and death. And then he says, and I'm going back to heaven and the Holy Spirit is going to keep demonstrating that rule over this whole world. He has the real power power. It's a power that the world doesn't understand. If you look um, back at uh, verse 17, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. It's a power that the world knows nothing of. How could uh, the death of the king lead to the salvation of the all? Makes no sense. The world cannot understand that. How can you live a life of absolute sacrifice and service to others and still be happy and fulfilled? It makes no sense. Only through the power of the Holy Spirit can we do these things. The real power comes from the Holy Spirit who is with us. Through the mind of God that is greater than any of us, who understands how things work in deeper and deeper ways. It is through the power of the Holy Spirit that we take these flickering lamps these batteries that run out, that need to be constantly charged, and we plug them in to stay plugged in, to stay always on, always shining, always living in the power of of God's word, in the power of his Holy Spirit, pouring out our lives in service and sacrifice to one another. So the question for each of us this morning is when you hear the command of Jesus, when you hear that feeling that says, I should love, I should serve, I should give, I should help, I should forgive, I should let this go. All the things we kinda know we're supposed to do and we're like, yeah, but I don't want to. I would rather look out for myself and all these doubts that come up for us. Where do you turn? Do you say, I'm gonna buckle down, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna grip my teeth. Or do you say, Jesus, give me more of your Holy Spirit. I know that your Holy Spirit is with me. I know that you have given him to me. Holy Spirit, will you move me? Will you change my heart? Will you change the situation? Will you make this door open that does not seem possible? Will you make these things work in my heart and in the lives of others? Where do we look we need help? How can we know that we get the real peace and the real power? It's because we have the real promise. This is verse 18. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. This is the promise of Jesus. The world is gonna offer us lots of promises. The world says a little bit more money, a little bit more time, a little bit more organization, a little bit more self-care, a little more of this, a little bit more of that, and you'll be happy, and life will be better. And it's not true. We need the real promise of Jesus. What is that promise? I will not leave you as orphans. The only real promise that Jesus gives us is that he's going to be with us. Those of you who have been Christians for a while, who've been walking with Jesus, you know that life is not always easy. Jesus does not make everything better. So this morning, if you're considering Jesus, if you're thinking about what it would mean to follow him, don't hear me saying that it's all going to be sunshine and roses. It's not. That's not the promise. The promise is that he will be present. This week, uh, these next two weeks at camp, In our Bible times, we'll be studying, uh, we'll be teaching the campers about about Hebrews eleven, which in Hebrews eleven, which is another chapter in the Bible, is what sometimes is called the Hall of Faith, the Heroes of the Faith, and he lists off all these people: Moses, David, Aaron, uh, Noah. I don't know, bunch of other people. We have them all written down. All the people, all the heroes of the faith from the Old Testament. And there's this refrain of, by faith, so-and-so, by faith, so-and-so, by faith, so-and-so. And all these things are did, uh, that they did by faith. And it's calling us to see their faith and join with them. So as we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, we too can put our faith in Jesus, just as they did. But what's fascinating as you look at these heroes is that their lives were not easy. And Hebrews 11 says that very clearly. It mostly talks about them not having homes, going about in caves, getting beaten, getting stoned, all these bad things that happened to them. But they had faith that God was with them. And looking back, we can see that. We can see that their faith was leading up to Jesus himself coming. God himself coming to earth to bring his people back to himself, to forgive our sins, to make a new people out of all the peoples of the world, to bring them together as one new people. And so as we look at the history of what God has done, we see both the nature of that promise, that His promise is simply for His presence and His comfort and His care, not to make things easy, but we also see the solidity of that promise, that He has been faithful through generation after generation, throughout the people before the time of Jesus, in the time of the early church, and even for the 2,000 years since then. We see all the stories of the history of God's people, and God has been faithful and present with his people. So we can trust his promise. Jesus has given us the Holy Spirit. That is all that we need. Is to know that he is with us. We have his presence. We have power. We have peace. We have a real promise. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you give us this promise, this power, this peace through your Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, would you be present with us now? Would you be present with us more and more each day as we seek to obey you, as we seek to receive your forgiveness, as we seek to offer that to others? In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon podcast from Resurrection Community Church. To learn more about our church and how you can connect with God and others, please visit resurrectionvb.org.